Bring it in. Read option podcast back and better than ever. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Super Bowl week. Get it all over yourself. The San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs playing in Super Bowl 58 on Sunday comes once a year. It it feels like it feels like the week before Christmas. I'm I I'm so excited the Super Bowl I I've I've come around all right that first week you know combat you know combating the the inner thoughts of Niners fans not named Scott that have been uh bothering me over the course of the last you know six months to a year since the Eagles Super Bowl run and uh and also the do we want a repeat champion you know a lot of people said hey who even wants to watch the Super Bowl who even wants to be around for the Super Bowl uh, it took about three days before I was like, fuck that. I'm ready for the Super Bowl. Two awesome mm-hmm. teams. I cannot wait. Scotty is here. We're hoping for an appearance from Vito. He uh he's dealing with a fire marshal and stuff for work. He's got lots going on. So we are hoping that we'll get an appearance from Vito. This is our annual prop bet podcast, uh, where the entire second part of this podcast will be nothing but prop bets betting strategy in general for the for the Super Bowl which I'm very excited about. We got some news and notes we got to hit um as well as a little bit of uh Philly sports talk that I got to throw in here um at the end of this opening segment. For right now, it's me and Scotty and uh obviously we check in with you boys every week. To be honest, I never feel like it feels supernatural. I feel like, "Oh, how you boys doing?" You know, we get a little check in. People like hearing what's going on in the world, but we know what's happening in your world right now, Scotty. There is yes, one thing, we do. and uh, one thing only, and the people want to know how you're feeling going into this Super Bowl. It is Super Bowl week. We talked about it last week. That first week, when your team's in the Super Bowl, you know you got two full weeks. That first week, you're like out of sight, out of mind. The first week kind of flies, and now the anticipation, the anxiety, all that stuff starts to build. So how are you doing as your Niners are getting ready to play in Super Bowl 58? Uh, as you might well know, when your team is in it, this is uh, this is business time. Uh, this is not time to sit around and, and do what the rest of the media will do and nitpick for the next week because we uh, can only talk about two teams for for so long during the uh, the sports block day. Get me in the tunnel with the boys. Get me running up there and get me on that damn field at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, because that's how I feel right now. I'm like, this is business time. And we're strapping up, and we are riding. And we are not finishing that ride until we are in the middle of that field at the end of the game lifting a, a, a trophy. Uh, that's where I'm at. That's that's how I feel right now. And I'm putting blinders on. I'm blocking out the haters. I'm going, it's it's all positive this week. It's all going to be positive, all of it. Um, I don't got time to to hear about uh, uh, some some. Uh, ridiculous take about how Patrick Mahomes is better than Brock Purdy. No shit. Everybody in the world knows that, bud. But guess what? When champions want to strap up and and become champions, uh, they they gotta they gotta be the what? Who said that? Ric Flair. To be the best, you gotta beat the man. Or to be the man, you gotta beat the man. Um, and, and 
I, I feel like that's that's got to be our mentality this week, uh, Niners faithful who are listening to me. Um, and that's that's where I'm at. I'm amped up. I'm ready to go. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna psych myself out. It's gonna be all positive this week. Look, that's the mentality you gotta have. Uh, I'm trying to think back, and maybe you can remind me to how I was a year ago in this spot, because I feel like my gut instinct going into that, going into the Super Bowl last year was that the Eagles were going to lose. And then at the last minute, I swapped and said, nope, the Eagles were going to win with my pick. That's what I think happened. I think I built it up. I genuinely, like I genuinely thought that like as a football, just like analyst, you know, that the chiefs were the better football team. And that with Mahomes and everything else, it was going to be too much for the Eagles to be able to stand. And then I kind of talked myself into the Eagles winning that game by the end of the week, um, just because like I had to go full blown fan, and I went I went with the big reveal at the end of the podcast before the Super Bowl. Um, that is how I remember it. I think that's about how it went. But that's kind of what you have to do, right? You look at it from both sides. You look at it from the logical side, and you think, okay, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, got them boys over there getting ready to come in. But what I love about you, Scotty, and, and this is the difference between uh, you know Philly fans and a lot of other pro sports fans, which is that we are anticipating the next worst thing that's going to come. We're anticipating the worst possible outcome in Philly. It's kind of how we we operate. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, and you, like, I respect and admire the, like, hey, boys, it's time. Strap them up. Lace them up. Let's fucking go. It is time to take this shit over it's our time you know to quote the uh the movie Me- uh, miracle with uh about herb her her brooks one of my favorite sports movies of all time the 1980 miracle on ice playing yeah. uh uh i'm uh, tired about how hearing how good patrick mahomes is scrolling scroll <laughs> yeah i said her i said her brooks playing it was about her brooks played by kurt russell um but yeah it is that like this you know this is their time you know this is our time Right. You know, you know, uh, let's let's show them what we got, whatever the line is in the mood. It's, it's an unbelievable sports speech. Get you fucking amped up every time. I'm pretty sure I watched it before the Super Bowl last year. I love that mentality out of you, Scotty. And I and I, I am excited for you um, because the one thing that gets overlooked and as we're coming up on a year, don't get me wrong. Last year's Super Bowl sucked in a lot of ways, mainly the final outcome of what happened. But. Everything that goes into that week when your team's in the Super Bowl, it's just like every podcast you listen to, every radio show, every TV show, it's just you get sucked into it, man. It feels like the world's against you at times, right? So it it does, but it also is amazing to feel like, hey, you know what? We are at the top of the mountain right now. We are at the pinnacle of professional sports in the world. And this is our time for our boys, the guys I've been following since training camp, the guys that I've given every – Sunday too, since the beginning of September, this is our time, you know, and that is such a really uniquely special feeling. Um, And I'm happy. I'm happy for you guys, you know, and we'll get into some of our early leanings because, you know, I've been, I've, I've kind of molded back and forth how I've been feeling about this Super Bowl a little bit, but this is the week where it's like, all right, we really got to start diving in. We're really going to start feeling out like, Hey, which way, one way or the other, are you feeling like, Chiefs, Niners, which way is this going to kind of play out? And I feel very strongly um, right now one way. 
And yet tomorrow I'm going to wake up and probably feel something completely different. And that is the beauty of the Super Bowl and a beauty of a Super Bowl that is two of the best teams in football, particularly and- the team that I've been saying all year that I think is the best team when they're right. There's no one touching San Francisco mixed with the best player in football. The, the single hand, the guy who can single handedly shift the that, outcome of a Super Bowl. That maybe that we've is, ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And this is two years in a row. You know, yeah. right? We felt the same way last year. The Eagles were the best team start to finish during the season last year. But you got that guy over there, number 15 in red, who is uh, who's who's going to make things seem a little less obvious. And I think to that point, too, I think to that point, too, is like for the Super Bowl, at least it's just the one game like in every other major American sport and the NBA and in, in, in the MLB in the World Series. Um, and in the NBA finals and, and even in the Stanley Cup finals, we have time to like step back, analyze what happened in that game and be like, oh, but they got another one coming up in, in two days that we can overanalyze. And so everything is packed into the seven game series or best of seven game series um, in those three sports here. It's like, here it is. We're laying it all out on the field and getting it done in 60 minutes. So, yeah. And in addition to that, too, it's it's the only sport where. Where the the layoff between the conference championship, the semifinal, and the final is as long as it is. You know, it's like, hey, the NBA finals, yeah, they may take like two or three days off before the NBA final starts. Stanley Cup finals, the World Series, all that stuff. Yeah, you get a couple of days, you know, in between, but you don't get this. You know, you don't get two weeks of the sports world only. Like Sirius XM literally starts a new channel every single year called Super Bowl Radio, where it's nothing but Super Bowl coverage for two weeks leading up to the actual game. And it's a, it's, it's a special thing because it's that weird combination of you get one shot, one game. There is no series. It's not a best of three. It's not a best of five, not a best of seven. And you also get two weeks of lead up before you actually get to the game, which it makes it the most you know unique and also massive sporting event that you'll see across the country um the line in this game has jumped around it opened at two and a half the last time we talked it had moved to uh i believe san francisco minus two and then uh it opened at two and a half jumped to one by the time we talked about it on thursday night it jumped to two now it is back at one and a half um the early reports out of vegas are that the uh, i think somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 percent of the money has been placed on the Kansas city chiefs. Um, but that was as of Wednesday or as of Wednesday, as of the weekend, um, the fact that oh, this that number so happy, but the fact that the number is now moving back towards San Francisco tells you that there's more money being dropped in on San Francisco. So I think by the time this line settles Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll have a better idea. I, I really do feel like by the time it's all said and done, that we're going to have close to 50-50 because this is a tough game to pick. And that's what we had last year, too. You know, the Eagles came into that game as a favorite, and then it swung to the Chiefs, and then it swung back to the Eagles. And then by the time we got to Sunday, it was about a 50-50 proposition between who was the actual favorite, who we felt was going to be the actual favorite in this game. Um I am I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll get into our, our Super Bowl preview thoughts, but there's some news and notes stuff we got to hit first before we get into all that. Now that we checked in with Scotty, um, I want to touch on a little bit here. And and there was a story over the weekend 
that kind of gets us into the post Super Bowl era or world here of football, um, which is this Cliff Kingsbury story. And I know, Scotty, you, you were pretty fired up on this. Cliff Kingsbury accepted the job to be the offensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders. He then retracted his name before signing the contract and has now been named the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. I'm not I, – I have a tendency on this podcast to be the guy who throws a bunch of cold water onto stuff. I'm not trying to be a downer, but I do think when I saw this story – it was kind of a, I don't want to say a nothing burger, because it is interesting, right? It's like, oh, he pulled himself out of, you know, the Raiders. And now he's, oh, now he's going to the Commanders. And it's, oh, okay. Everyone's immediately tying it to Caleb Williams. Everyone's immediately tying it to, oh, he was the offensive coordinator for USC this past year, even though Lincoln Riley's still the master of that offense and Lincoln Riley's the play caller and all that stuff. So that must mean that Washington is jumping Caleb through Williams every single hoop. here. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it. Like the part of my takes of the world, you know, like those guys, it's it's a bit, but it's not a bit. And it's the fandom and PFT is a guy, whatever. And their podcast today was really, really funny. If you haven't checked it out, awesome interview with Jameis Winston. Um, highly recommend it. But at the same time, I'm not going to be jumping through hoops here to try to make an argument that this means fucking jack shit. I think what this means is that Dan Quinn wanted to hire his own staff. I think it meant no matter how much money that they offered to Eric Bieniemy last year, Dan Quinn was going to want to bring in his guy. I think it also means that Cliff Kingsbury, as a play caller, as an offensive design guy, is really fucking good at what he does. And bringing in a guy like that with new ownership who has money to spend while they're setting up their new issue. like To me, this is all about the dollars and cents. What we've seen from Kingsbury throughout his career, this is not the first time that he accepted a job and retracted it. He was named the offensive coordinator at USC once before. The head coach. It back head coach. To no, offensive coordinator at USC. I thought it was the head coaching spot. To become the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Got it, got it, got it. So again, I'm not saying it's just about the money. There's a bunch of different factors. And yes, there is a chance. We're given the uncertainty about what Chicago is going to do, even though in my mind, I don't think it's that hard of a decision. I still think Chicago is going after Caleb Williams. And even if it's not Caleb Williams, even if they get Drake May, even if it is Jaden Daniels, I'm assuming that Washington's going to take one of those guys with the second overall pick. Yeah. Getting in a sharp, young offensive mind to come in and to lock up like, hey, this is our future. We want a guy who we can trust with QB development. I mean, even what Kelf Kingsbury did with, with Kyler was really impressive, right? He has a history of working with great quarterbacks. Um, you, you go with his time at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes. Like, he knows how to scheme guys open. He knows how to make life easier. And whether it's Drake May, there's a world where it is Caleb Williams. I'm not going to you know, rule that out. Um, or Jaden <sighs> Daniels. I think bringing in Cliff Kingsbury to be the offensive coordinator says more about Hey, we're building up a new franchise here. We have new ownership. We have new front office. We have a new head coach. Everything's new in Washington. What else do you need? Well, you need a new offense. And I'm sorry, Eric Bieniemy. You're gonna probably go back to Kansas City and and go back and do something else, or may, you know maybe end up. It sucks that he's kind of missed the window to be an offensive coordinator right now. Because I'll tell you what, like I'm happy with the Eagles getting Kellen Moore. I also would have been happy with Eric Bieniemy as as a choice to be the play caller and the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. I think there was enough shown that like he didn't do an incredible job when he was with uh you know Washington last year, but more importantly, 
Everything about Washington is new right now. They want a fresh start. They don't want anything with any amount of Dan Snyder stink on it to be a part of that organization. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. So yeah, it makes total sense. Hey, we get an opportunity to get a young, smart play caller who has experience with some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's bring this guy in. Let's see what he can do developing quarterbacks. And no matter who we end up with, could be Caleb Williams because he played at Gonzaga High School in D.C. Everyone wants to make the ties. It's great narrative. It's great conversation. It's great fodder that we're going to talk about for months on end post-Super Bowl. I really don't think it's going to be Caleb Williams as the next starting quarterback at Washington. And I think this whole situation is more about, hey, how can we build towards something? How can we build towards what our identity is going to be and bring in a guy Cliff Kingsbury is a really smart move. And I think both things can be true that it's a smart move and it also has nothing to do with Caleb Williams. Yeah. I mean, it has something to do with one of those quarterbacks. Like you said, like Washington's getting one of those guys. Um, Whereas the Raiders have no idea what their quarterback situation is and have no position to, to be able to go up and even get one of those guys. Um, And so you know, I heard things about the the logistical, like the mechanics of the contract. Um, he was offered to um, because Mark Davis is tired of hiring and firing and, and getting rid of offensive coordinators uh, or and or defensive coordinators for that matter. Um, <clears throat> but like, if I'm Kingsbury, I'm saying that same thing that you just did. It's like, well, yeah, they have a new head coach too. Um, they have an ownership group that that is is bought in, not necessarily new, but is like trying to to reestablish this culture, um, and they've done that in in Vegas with the Raiders. But that quarterback situation is so much of a question mark at this point um, that it made so much more sense to go to a spot where you're like, hey, they have all the same things that that they did in Vegas: new head coach, uh, new new entire coaching staff. Um, and we're going to get one of those uh, those quarterbacks um, that that are the top three in the draft here. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I just think it's a lot of smoke for not a lot of fire. Um, and uh, you know, even whoever they end up with, it, it makes more s- sense strategically for Cliff to go to that office, especially a spot where like it's not an offensive minded head coach. So. Dan Quinn's going to be like, here are the keys, bud. This offense is yours. Like, it's not, it's, it, I don't think it would be the same in Vegas uh, at, at any rate. Um, but Dan Quinn's going to give him the keys uh, to Cliff Kingsbury and he can drive uh, and create the whole offense. And Dan Quinn's not going to say a damn word because um, that's not his ex or his, uh, his specialty. So um, I love it. Uh, I love it for him. Um, I love it for uh, for the NFL, really, because his offensive mind in the NFL, it was innovative at at the time. It, I think it still could be innovative. Um, and like you said, he knows how to get the best out of quarterbacks. And uh, and th- they're looking for a whole new day in, uh, in Washington. I think they got it. Well, And whether it's right. like super innovative or not, it's what the modern NFL is doing. Yeah, And what the modern NFL has been doing for a while is – is uh, particularly from the coaching and coordinator side on offense has been taking what coat what coaches and players are doing in college and finding ways to make it translatable to 
the modern NFL, right? And yeah, making that transition to try Arizona. to capitalize on the rookie contracts with quarterbacks, what CJ Stroud was doing, you know, what what we've seen really good rookie quarterbacks come in and do. Like what what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts being like, hey, this is what you do really well right now. We're gonna need you to do more down the line. But for right now, this is what you do well in 2022. You know, our 2021, like let's capitalize on 2021 and get the most out of you because this is what you're really good at right now. And I think that's more of the mindset. And on top of that, too, think about what Dan Quinn was when he was head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, right? He, when he had success in Atlanta, he had Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator and said, this is your show. Go run it. I'm going to focus on the defense. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to figure, I'm going to have my fingerprints on everything because you do as a head coach naturally, but I'm not going to be the play calling offensive coordinator. And there's a comfort in knowing that as an offensive coordinator coming in as the guy calling plays things that Sirianni did not do this past yeah, year. Right. The, the micromanagement is the word you used last week. Exactly. You're not going to have your fingerprints on all, all over that offense. And Dan Quinn's not going to do that because he understands what it takes to, to help build a winning football team because he did it in Atlanta. The question is when the guy that you hire who has success is when your coordinators leaves, can you hire the right person to come in after that? And when Kyle Shanahan left Atlanta to become the head coach of the Niners, he did not have the ability to find a good enough replacement to, to fill in and continue the success that he had first started building in Atlanta, similar to what the questions people were bringing up about Nick Sirianni, right? I felt like there was a lot of like Nick Sirianni talk. Oh, have we ever seen something like this? A coach who might get fired after something like this. We had these conversations about Dan Quinn you know, after the 28 to three loss. Like there were people who thought Dan Quinn, you know, the next year after that could have gotten fired, especially after they lost Kyle Shanahan. So it's not completely unprecedented. But the question is, if you're going to be that coach who's like, hey, I'm going to overrun the CEO side of this stuff. It's I'm not the reason the offense is special like McVay, like Shanahan, like Matt LaFleur, like a lot of these guys who've had a bunch of success. Your job is then to find the guys who can come in and do that as the CEO of the coaching staff of the, of, of the team, essentially. And, and in today's NFL, it's got to be year to year because you find someone successful, boom, they're gone the next year to get a head coaching gig. That's yeah. just how it is. I mean, and, and you know that as well as I do. Kingsbury is going to a situation where he's like, Hey, I can spend the next two years building up a rookie quarterback that we get in the top three try to turn him into a legitimate star the way we saw C.J. Stroud and that we're, we're going to potentially see with Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels. One of those three guys is probably not going to be C.J. Stroud because C.J. Stroud just put together the best rookie season of any quarterback arguably ever. You know, it's him and Andrew Luck. That's pretty much the only, you know, you could say RG3 a little bit, but that's also a little more unique. He's going to try his best to get, you know, whoever they end up drafting into that position the thing that I'm like is like, and again, it's great fodder. It's great for the talking points. It's great for the part of my takes in the first, you know, and part of my take takes it separately than like get up or, or first take or any of those guys. But that conversation fits perfectly because Caleb Williams went to school in D.C., right, which means fucking nothing. Caleb Williams worked for one year with Cliff Kingsbury. It means nothing. But it's but people are going to bite on it. People are going to click on it. People are going to find it interesting. And that's a part of the game that you play with the modern media, which is like, yeah, there's there's going to be a certain amount of it is like, how do we get eyeballs? How do we get the biggest crowd possible to tune into our show? And conversations like that are going to be a part of it, evidently. Um, no matter what you do, it's always going to end up being a part of it. I think the Cliff Kingsbury hire is just a really good hire. 
Yeah. I think it's perfect for what Dan Quinn's trying to build. And I think Josh Harris, knowing what he's done in the past, when it comes to hiring assistant coaches, like some of the assistant coaches that, you know, when Doc Rivers came in and took over for Brett Brown for the Sixers, like, you know, they were bringing in Sam Cassell and Mark D'Antonio and guys who are like either want a head coaching job or have been longtime head coaches. And they were not afraid to spend the money on the assistant coaches that the head coach wanted. So if Dan Quinn's the guy you're hiring in there and he wants Cliff Kingsbury, Josh Harris is not afraid to be like, hey, I'm going to go spend the money and get the guy here versus cash poor owner and Mark Davis, who probably offered a higher salary than what Cliff Kingsbury was going to get at USC. But it's not going to be the same level that Josh Harris is going to be able to send to Cliff Kingsbury and pay him to come in and be the offensive coordinator. So I, I think just as a as a objective personality in this world of media and sports, I just think it makes sense. I think it's just a really smart hire. And I feel mm-hmm. bad for the Raiders because I thought it was a really good hire for them, especially Antonio Pierce, who's looking to try to build some of the same stuff. I think for Dan Quinn, he's had success with this formula before, and he knows how to build up a team to turn into a successful team. The question is, was he going to find someone he fully trusted to run the offense? And now he has. And whether Cliff Kingsbury succeeds or fails, that's ultimately up to Kingsbury. But I think if you're looking at the guys that are available and you want to get someone who doesn't have the stink of the Snyders and that past ownership group, especially considering the contract that they gave to Eric Bieniemy. I think it makes all the sense in the world that you would go after, hey, here's Kingsbury, former head coach, has experience, young, innovative, like knows what the modern NFL is all about in terms of developing quarterbacks. He just did it with Kyler Murray, and he's going to continue to do it, I think. And I think it's a really, really great hire. As a as yeah, this is this is the perfect example, right? Which Andy Staples used to say this when I worked with him on ESPNU, which was like, if you could give the opposing coaches in the college football playoff truth serum about, hey, who's the fourth team that you didn't want to be in the playoff, especially those years where Bama had a loss? If you gave them truth serum, they would all say Alabama's not the team that we want to go in there, right? If you gave truth serum to all the other teams in the NFC East and say, hey, who's the offensive coordinator, you know, compared to who the what the pool was compared to Kingsbury, pretty much everyone in the NFC East would say, yeah, we don't want Kingsbury to be the offensive coordinator for Washington. And that Mm -hmm. to me speaks as much volumes about the decision they made as anything. And yes, is there a possibility that they offer the absolute fucking maximum amount of picks you're allowed to give and go up one spot to draft Caleb Williams? Absolutely. Totally a possibility. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think regard, I think if it's the right deal and they feel like, Hey, this works for our organization. We're going to do this, but it's not going to be an all or nothing thing. Kingsbury signing there does not mean that all of a sudden Washington is in the mix for Caleb Williams. I really don't believe that. Um, What other NFL news? Uh, Pro Bowl. Did you watch any of the Pro Bowl stuff this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Some of it was fun. Um, I like, though, that like, again, they're, they're sort of working some of these skills competitions and using this as a test ground kind of uh, in a lot of ways. Um. And some of them are fun, some of them hit, and some of them just fall flat um, at times. But the the good thing is that the the NFL about this whole Pro Bowl revamp has been really innovative um, and and uh, willing to to be like, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else out, um, and, and and using it like a like a playground almost. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, it was cool seeing guys like 
It's like Kelsey buying into to a snapping competition, right? Yeah. Not even a long snapper. Let's do this. Uh, that's the kind of like thing that that uh, everybody else around the Pro Bowl feeds off of. Like, oh, if this guy's jacked about this, like I'm psyched to be here and, and doing this. Uh, whatever, however, um, however, like stupid it looks, uh, you know, uh, objectively. So like. Um, I think it's cool, man. I love that they're doing some of this stuff and, and testing it out. And, and it's a lot of fun when, uh, um, when, when some of these games hit and, uh, and I love again, two years in a row, it's hit the flag football, um, just makes so much more sense. It's a lot more fun. Um, the, the way they do it, uh, having everybody mic'd up to is is awesome. Um, and, and you really get a, a peek into, I know it's flag football, but like, some of these these plays and these quarterbacks, they were more elaborate this year than they were last year. So I can imagine this like sort of taking off, um, especially as we talk about it being a, a potential Olympic sport. Um, and so, uh, so I think it's really cool uh, the what they've done to uh, to to revamp this because um, the Pro yeah. Bowl got stale for a long time. Well, and I I like it a lot. I mean, this is what year number three that they haven't done the traditional Pro Bowl, or is it because Mac Jones was a rookie and made the Pro Bowl the last year that they did it, and it was yeah. a patty cake fest. It was terrible, you know. And they kind of introduced some of the skills competitions once again, which I think, you know, could have helped a little bit. I feel like now they've kind of figured it out, and I like the format of being like, hey, it's a weekend long thing in every event that they do from Friday till the the Sunday, Thursday, including or Thursday into Sunday, including the flag football game that they break up each quarter by doing different events in between. Is they find ways to have it add up in totality with the flag football game being weighted the most for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, like the NFC won because they dominated. The, uh, the the skills competitions, you know, mm-hmm. that's why the NFC won. They, they actually got blown out in the actual flag football game. I just thought it was fun. It was nice to have it on the background on Saturday. I'm working at the bar. You put it up on the TV. It was fun to have it in the background on Sunday. You know, hey, there's no football here, but you get a little taste of it. Um, And I like how much the player – and you're 100% right about, like, the Kelsey thing, you know. And it's up to guys like Kelsey, and Kelsey's the perfect guy for it, Jason Kelsey, obviously, we're talking about here. Um, he's the perfect guy for that, you know, because he's just he's gonna buy into it. He's gonna do the right thing by the league, by the play, you know, and and by the fans more than anybody else. And he found a way. I thought, you know, being the guy standing on the sled at the end of the, you know, the gauntlet that they had to run, you know, and like mm-hmm. him leaning back and getting the thing to move and sticking with it. Like, I just thought it was really. I thought it was it was fun. You know, and that's something that the Pro Bowl hasn't really been since we saw Sean Taylor taking the head off of a punter, oh, you know, in 2004. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we really haven't felt like, oh, the Pro Bowl's fun. You know, we see those those throwback videos. I see them like all the time of like the, you know, the throwing competitions that they used to have. But who can throw the ball the furthest and and that kind of like that. And people always retweet those videos. And they're like, oh, man, I miss when the Pro Bowl did this and they had the skills competition and the kickers would play like horse you know, mm-hmm. or pig or whatever, but like with the field goal, like I hey, kick tack toe this year. That was fun. Yeah. You know, um, throwing competitions, the snapping competitions, the, the, the gauntlet, like all that different stuff that they did. I'm just waiting for the one time that a dude, you know, in the gauntlet, they had one where you had went and jumped off a trampoline and tapped the ball out. I'm waiting on the dude who lands and tears his ACL or pops an Achilles. 
I, these guys are the best athletes in the world. I don't think that will happen, but you know, just like we talk about with, with the bowl games and guys who want to sit out, like, yes, it's a really, 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 really small risk. What are you going to do it? The, the biggest thing I noticed was like, I didn't see Dak Prescott out there having fun and hanging out with everybody else. You know, CD lambs out there catching like five touchdown passes in the flag football game. He ain't catching it from Dak. He's catching it from Jalen. He's catching it from Baker Mayfield. He's Mm -hmm. catching it from whoever the third, uh, Geno Smith, I think was the third. Like, and I'll say this, like, I was really worried that Jalen wasn't going to go when they announced him to go as like an alternate. Because I was like, I really hope Jalen does. Because I want people to see, like, I want people to not have this ice cold vision of him. I want to know that he's not just an ice cold cynic like Dak Prescott, who's just like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go to the Pro Bowl. I'm not going to entertain. I'm not going to go do that stuff. It's like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be. Uh, I believe I, I saw a tweet that said it best. It was the Disney Channel games for the best athletes in the world. Which, if you're young enough to remember the Disney Channel games, that means you're my age group. You're too old for that, Scotty. But the Disney Channel games were like an Olympic style like event where you they get all these Disney Channel stars got drafted onto different teams. And they all like competed in these competitions. And I loved it. I loved it every year. You had the Jonas Brothers and Miley Cyrus and all this stuff. But back when they were Disney Channel kids, it was actually very fun as like a kid who was like, hey, I want to watch sports, but I also like watching Disney Channel. Boom, here you go. Put it together. And it was it was it was cool. It was really fun to see all the guys kind of come out and and take it seriously, which was which was awesome. Uh, Not a whole lot of other NFL news or notes to get to. So the one thing I want to add here, um, there was a report uh, confirmed by Adrian Wojnarowski, Joel, Joel, Joel Embiid is out for a substantial amount of time. An issue with his meniscus, he's getting a surgery on it. Um, I'm officially in like DEFCON 35, dude, like when it comes to Philly sports, because the Phillies had the biggest choke job that I've ever seen of a Philly sports team. At least it's up there as one of the biggest choke jobs. A year after going to the World Series, you know, they lose that fucking Diamondbacks team. The Eagles have an all-time collapse. The Flyers are having the best season that they've had in literally like a decade. And then their goalie ends up being a huge piece of shit in this whole story. And we haven't really touched on it here on the pods. If you don't know, I'll, I'll give a quick background to it. But essentially... There was a sexual, a group sexual assault case back from the 2018 World Juniors that was in London. And Carter Hart, the Eagles goalie, or the Eagles, the Flyers goalie, was the goalie for that team. And it's all the Canadian guys. And there's five guys who are on the report. Magically now, there's five guys in the NHL who are part of that team who there was a whole like demand that they come to London and get served. And Carter Hart all of a sudden takes an extended leave of absence for personal reasons away from the team, which good that if he if any of that's true put him in fucking jail like that's fucking disgusting we've talked about that time after time things are way bigger than sports but it's like the first time the flyers are worth fucking anything their goalie ends up being a massive dickhead piece of shit you know after he's been with the team for for five years um and now I put all of my hope in, and the Villanova is also trash. I don't know what's going on there. They they win big games and they're losing games, and it's I can't follow Villanova basketball right now because it's a fucking heart attack every time I follow them. So the one thing I had was Joel Embiid's playing better this year than anybody else. Cerise Maxey's going to be an All Star starter. Joel Embiid is 
literally lighting it up. Tobias, uh, Tobias Harris in his contract year is contract Tobias Harris once again, balling out left and right. Pat Bev has brought a fun energy and edge to this team. I'm like, I'm buying into the Sixers. I swore after last year I'm out. I'm not fucking dealing with this team, but you get James Harden out. There's all this fun stuff. I'm in. I'm in. And now Embiid's going to be out until mid, at the earliest he comes back by the playoffs. And honestly, they've been, I think their record is three and seven, three and eight without Joel Embiid this year. I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. And if they do, it's going to be as a play in. So going from a team, and it's so weird because in each one of those sports, in the big four in Philly, there's so much reason for optimism, right? Like on paper. It's like, hey, you went to the World Series, you went to the NLCS the year after, you're going on a big run, you feel great, massive letdown. The Eagles, Super Bowl, 10-1, 10 coming off the Super Bowl, they're having this unbelievable run, all of a sudden get bounced in the first round by fucking Tampa Bay because they completely collapse. The Flyers, best season in 10 years, your goalie's a fucking you know, sexual predator and deserves to be put in fucking jail. And now the Sixers, the only hope I had left, the one team I didn't want to put any of my hopes in because I knew exactly what was going to happen, even if Embiid stayed healthy, but I still bought back in because I needed one semblance of hope for my fucking teams. Gone. So I got nothing. I am as low as I've ever been, and that's with all four of those teams having an outrageous Mm -hmm. amount of optimism associated with them because of how well they were playing at certain points only to eviscerate that for one reason or another. I've never felt this disappointed. And the sole reason is, is because my expectations got elevated for each of those teams. My expectations were elevated for the Phillies last year and that run that they made on, oh, we're going back to World Series. Nope, you're going to lose the fucking wildcard team in the goddamn Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, the Eagles 10 and one, we're going to prove that I was wrong. Best returning season after going to the Super Bowl the year before. Nope. You're going to completely choke it away and ruin the rest of the season. Flyers, we've been over it. Devastating, weird, touchy, uncomfortable situation. It sucks. There's, I mean, I guess there's still some hope for the Flyers, but their backup goalie is dog shit. And then the, the Sixers. The best Joel Embiid season we've had. And he's had some incredible ones. He was the MVP last year. Tyrese Maxey's an all-star. We got James Harden out. I'm actually buying back in. I actually have hope. Gone. Done. I am I am so, so bummed, man. I'm like, pitchers and catchers, I guess. Like, I, I don't care about two Vill- weeks. Like, I, I love Villanova basketball. I do. I've I've loved Villanova basketball my whole life. I have a Villanova basketball right here. I'm holding it right now. I I can't get behind Kyle Neptune in this team because the team's a fucking six heart seed. attack in every single game. Six at, seed in at the best. Tournament. If <laughs> yeah. they make the tournament, they're a six seed. I could say JMU hoops, 20 and three, 19 and three. I guess. Yeah. I got. I got nothing right now, Scotty. My, the, the next closest thing I have to hope is a Phillies playoff run or the beginning of JMU football next year. That is mm-hmm. that is where I'm at. And that's even still, that's with a new coach, new coaching staff. Yeah, Kenny Chesney is the... Bob Chesney. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But could be related. We don't know yet. The the, the <laughs> 33 and me tests haven't come back yet to know for sure. <laughs> 33? Um, you got to... Was, was Oh, 23 and me. Damn it. <laughs> I couldn't think. I couldn't think of what it was. I'm just, I'm just, and on, and 
it it just sucks. It just sucks, man. Yeah. Like I finally there was there was a weird little moment in like October to November where it was like the Philly October Phillies are still alive. Flyers, some hope year two with torts. That's the torts bump here. Sixers, hey, disappointing, but hey, we traded Harden. So like you, you move on from the Harden deal. That's some hope. Eagles, only one loss. There was this moment just like three or four months ago. Like, Philly Sports is killing it. And now it's like, I I got nothing, dude. I got fucking nothing to be stoked about. Mm-hmm. Other than literally like Philly spring training is like the next thing I'm excited about. It's it's brutal right now. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. I uh Joel Embiid leading MVP candidate. Um Fuck you. And, no, I mean oh, I just I can't empathize, man. I've never been in this spot. The closest I think I've gotten was like 2009 when the Warriors were trash. The Giants were a year away from winning their first World Series and they were still not a great team. Um yeah. when when and even then like the Sharks Mike Singletary like, runs the to the to the finals. Yeah, the Niners were terrible at that time. Um and, but at least I had the Sharks, right? Penn State yeah. stunk at that time. Um, well, that's yeah, the man. thing is your misery from Penn State alone kind of adds up to all of this. But I <laughs> no, it's not the same though because we were never this. like, hey, we're we're on almost on top of the world for most of the sports world, and then like crash. It's back crazy, to Earth. and yeah. I've not heard a single person talk about it. But like as a fan, it's the only thing I've thought about. <laughs> like. Hey, am I excited about Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio? Yes, I am. Do you know what else I'm thinking about? It could be an unmitigated disaster next year, and it could be terrible. And Vic Fangio can be well past his prime, and Kellen Moore might actually not be good as an offensive coordinator, play caller, and we, we just prolonged a year of firing Sirianni ahead of time when we could have done it right now and had a new head coach, which, again, I'm in support. I like the hires objectively, but there's still a world where that's a possibility that Fangio isn't great and that Kellen Moore isn't great. You know, like that, all of that is still a possibility, which means that like this time next year, I could be like in the exact same boat that I am, except Joel Embiid has more surgeries under his belt and the Flyers still haven't found a good goaltender and the Phillies have another disappointing loss in October and it's going to be the same thing. The Phillies didn't even win their fucking division last year. And the Braves are still really fucking good. And we've beaten the Braves in the last two world or last two playoffs the last two years. Like the Braves are they're coming out for fucking blood against the Phillies. Like, I don't care that we've owned them this much. Like, we're we gotta play the Braves in the playoffs next year again. I don't feel good about it. I didn't feel good yeah. about it in the moment. Yeah. So it's just it's yeah. such a weird spot to be in where it's like the Phillies are on the cusp of back-to-back World Series appearances. The Eagles feel like they're going to be on the cusp of back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. The Flyers, yeah. finally, first time in a decade, they're a good football team or, or hockey or hockey team. And then Joel Embiid, you know, playing the best basketballs ever had to get rid of Harden. Maxie's a fucking superstar. All this stuff's going on, and now it's all just fucking gone. It's it's How really it the it's really the entire amalgam of this year's ten and one Eagles team all rolled up into one thing, where it's like, yeah, we're good, but we're not. It's brutal. Jamie football loses his head that's, coach. That's rough. Yeah. That's a rough go. I like Bob Chesney. I'm excited at Chesney era Jamie football, but like I got, I'm literally like Sunbelt basketball is the only hope I have left right now, Scotty. Get amongst and it. that is, that is a really dark place to be as a sports fan. I don't think so, man. Considering where I was three months ago. Yeah. But you know, it's also February. So <laughs> 
Masters. Yeah, I think that's part of it. <laughs> Tigers coming back. Tigers winning yeah. a major this year. Here we go. <laughs> now I'm all fired up. All right, let's take a break so I can calm down. I'm gonna take like a take a Xanax or something. I don't have any Xanax. I don't know why I said that, but you know, I just need something. This sucks, dude. I was this close. That's a brutal I spot. Was so close, and that's what it's been. The Phillies World Series, the Eagles Super Bowl. <sighs> The Sixers were up 3-2, going into game six. Chance yeah. to ice it out. Go to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time. No. You'd rather just be, just be terrible and then trend, uh, well, that's the nice work thing. the trajectory up. Can I, right? We'll end this with a silver lining. The nice thing is, at least right now, I know that all my teams are trash. That I know all my teams are in a weird spot. So it's like, I now I went from having enormous expectations for everything to now I have zero. Exactly. I have See, zero expectations. You're better than you've ever been. <laughs> There's an honest case to be made for that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We got prop bets for the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, all that on the other side as we continue on on the read option. All right. Betting preview. We got uh, a bunch of we're going to like here. Uh Traditionally, I use FanDuel. That's just always been the one that I've gravitated towards. If you can find better odds for certain things, other places, go for it. Um, that's just where that's where my money is. That's the money I can play with. Is so uh, I intended to, to do some of it. Um, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor yet. <laughs> investors Doors open. Investors yeah. potentially you. Possibly you. Possibly <clears throat> you. Uh, but yeah. So Scotty, right now, I'm curious your your overall thought process betting on your team being in the Super Bowl. Because like I didn't I don't think <laughs> I put any actual bets in last year when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. What's your thought process on it? I'm not. <laughs> uh plain and simple. Uh that's one of my rules. I don't even usually bet it uh on or, or on games that my team is involved in. Uh even during the regular season. Uh let alone in the postseason and for sure not in the Super Bowl. Um, so you can miss me with all the, I'm not taking any of the one and a half. I'm not taking the over under, I'm not taking any of the total. I'm not taking any of the prop bets that Brock or George or, uh, or, or, uh, Debo or, or McCaffrey have none. We'll see. I might do some totals on that. Like for, uh, for yardage and, and touchdowns and, and things like that. Cause those usually you can get some of the better odds on that. Um, where you're combining like the the amount of scrimmage yards that that they'll get total or uh, or total touchdowns or uh, um, um, over unders on those type of things. So uh, maybe I think that would be the only thing that I would really touch. But as far as like anything that could genuinely affect uh, the outcome of the game, again, spread over under, I'm not going anywhere near those. Uh, A because I'm superstitious as all hell, and B because I don't want to focus on like well. If I'm in fully 150% invested in my team winning this game, I don't want to be the guy who's like, yeah, but I also need them to cover <sighs> and have that in the back of your mind too, while you're sweating out the Super Bowl. So that's the reason I don't do it. Um, more power to you. If you can separate those two things, I cannot, I am, but a, a very dumb individual uh, who, uh, who, who, uh, is superstitious and likes to focus on one thing and one thing only in these scenarios. Yeah, no, I, uh, I get that. And I'm pretty sure last year I didn't put a single bet in, in this game. So I'm excited to actually gamble a little bit. 
I've spent all year. I've I've said it, I think, a couple of times, but my best year gambling for sure. I've pulled a bunch of money out that I've won, and I'm left with a nice little purse that's left over from the end of the season. Does it match your eyes? You know, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, I'm going to mix in a little bit here, you know, get some, see if I can pull, get a little bit of money leading into golf. I always love betting on golf. That's there my, you go. My second favorite, fa- second favorite thing to bet on other than football is betting on golf. So I have a nice little purse. I'm up big on the season. So I feel like I'm playing with house money here. Um, so at this point, you know, it's like when you go to the casino and you hit a bunch of hands early and you're already double, triple what you had. You pull some of that aside. You say, that's going to be my money when I leave. And then you take whatever you have left over. If you have some left over, then that's what you get to play with because you've already put some in the bank. That's how I feel right now. Um, so I'm excited to come in here. Um, do you feel uh, super strong? Because my thought was this is we'll just go back and forth. I don't really care where we go. Like, if you got something fun and goofy, throw it. There's going to be no rhyme or reason. Just Super Bowl betting is all about just whatever you're feeling. If you think there's a smart football play that you feel like you can get an advantage on, go for it. If you see a fun, goofy prop bet that you like, go for it on that. I'll give you the first pick here as we do our prop bet draft, essentially. Uh, Where are you going here? Uh, I'll I'll give the mic to you there, Scotty. Yeah, I, I love some of these uh some of these yardage overs just right off the bat that I'm looking at. Um uh you know from a game perspective, you know, and we'll get into this obviously when we dive into the X's and O's on Friday's podcast. Um, but from a game perspective, I can really see this turning into an offensive game. So you're going to have um some some ability to to really hit some of these overs. George Kittle at 47 and a half receiving yards, I absolutely love. Um because they're gonna they're gonna be asked the the Chiefs defense is gonna be asked to do a lot with Debo and Brandon Ayuk and uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I love the idea that uh, that George can leak out and get one of those uh, big thirty yard catches and like go three for sixty and maybe it's touchdown. Um, yeah, and, and hit that forty seven and a half real easy. Um, I, I that's that's one that jumps out to me uh, right off the bat. George Kittle over forty seven and a half receiving yards. That's a good one. I also I'd be curious what George Kittle's longest reception is, because I can definitely see one of those plays where it's like, hey, Kittle drags across the middle. He's like the third option. They throw it to him and he breaks off like a 50 yard play and there's just nothing that gets close to that. So um, let's see if there's a because you have so many props, but I want want to see if I can find that. Yeah. Um, and while you're while you're looking, the other one I love uh, from the Niners that really jumps out at me is uh, is Christian McCaffrey over four and a half receptions. Um, yeah, out of the backfield, the one Achilles heel that the the Kansas City Chiefs defense has had all year is backs who can catch the ball in the backfield really effectively. And I I think like yeah, obviously we we know that watching the game, the Chiefs know that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Spags draws up to to sort of combat that, which then may you know affect how many receptions does Debo have uh, in that scenario, right? But um, but if you can exploit that early uh, with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, four and a half receptions seems kind of low to me. Um, if that's the thing that we're like, hey, we're pumping the ball down and moving and keeping the the ball the hell out of Mahomes' hands, I love that play too. Over four and a half receptions for McCaffrey. I do too. Um, I would also look at his alt alternate for receivings, uh, for receive receptions. Uh, and uh, I am typically when I'm going ahead of time, I'm not like a, I'm not going to take the value that the book gives me. I'm going to go into like alternate 
lines because I just I feel like I I may, maybe it's hedging my bets. I don't know. But overwhelmingly this year, that's definitely been something I've leaned towards, which is like Michael Pittman this year was like a guaranteed like six plus receptions every week. But his over under would be at like eight and a half. So I'm like, I'd rather get Michael Pittman at six, you know, and feel Even like that's gonna minus be 120. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're hit it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of leads into um, a couple of uh, my, my first one here. I'm taking uh, Brock Purdy, 250 plus passing is minus 104. I think regardless of how this game plays out, whether it's the Niners, if the Niners win big, I think this is a lock. Um, I also think if it's a close game, I think it's also a lock. I feel very strongly that the Niners are going to find ways to move the football in this game, particularly with the yards after the catch, given how talented those guys are. It really only takes one or two big plays from Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo, any of those guys where they catch the ball in space find a way to make something happen, break a tackle, right? That's so much of how they gain their offense. And Brock can also push the ball back down the field, as we've talked about a bunch here too. Uh, You're getting that at minus 104, which is almost even odds. If you really like that bet, you can get it to plus uh, or over under 275, I think. Yeah, this is at 250. So over under um, 275 or 275 plus, I should say. And that's at like plus 150, plus 160. So – I think you could go that route just as easily. The one bit of hesitation is this Kansas City secondary is really good. And if this is a moment where Brock kind of struggles in the big light, um, I have a hard time seeing him throwing for a ton against a really, really good secondary who also tackles well if Brock Purdy like comes out and the lights are just too bright. But I just I don't think that's going to happen. I think Brock's going to be ready for the moment. I think he's going to step up and play really, really good football. Um, and on top of that, too, if they are losing big, then they're going to be throwing the ball a ton, you know. So I feel like no matter how this game kind of shakes out, 250 for Brock feels like a really good line. So uh, I like that minus 104. And uh, the other one I really like, which is any player with 100 plus receiving yards, yes, is minus 215. Um, you're not getting a ton of value there, obviously. But it feels like no matter what happens, whether it's Kelsey, whether it's uh, Debo, Ayuk, again, you could make the argument, hey, there's a lot of guys who can catch passes for San Francisco. Are they going to take away from opportunities? My gut instinct is that I feel like there's going to be one guy, whether it's Debo, McCaffrey, somebody who takes over this game for San Francisco to keep them in it, to either keep them in it or to help them win big. Um, And so I feel like 100 plus yards receiving uh, minus 215. You're not getting a ton of value there, but I feel good about that. That's one that you want to sprinkle in with a couple of parlays. You know, if you got a parlay with some stuff, again, not getting a ton of great value, but I do feel pretty good about the idea of somebody, whether it's, you know, Mahomes throwing to Kelsey, you know, 15 times and he catches 12 of them for a buck 20. You know, I feel like that is just as easy. This is any player at 100 plus receiving yards, minus 215. Uh, if you want to say no to that, you get a plus 172. So if you think, Jeff, you're an idiot, this this you're going to spread it out. You're going to have Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw draped all over Kelsey. There's no way he's getting 100 receiving yards in this game. Um, then, hey, you can say that, but we also just saw them go up against Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton, and he was still able to get 100 yards easy there. So, uh, But if you think I'm wrong, there's plenty of opportunity there, and the value is definitely on your side there. No is plus 172 on that. But I like any player 100-plus receiving yards at minus 215. Uh, as, as a little sprinkle in there, you know, if you combine that with something else that you really like, then that's going to boost your odds. So I like that as a, as a throw in there as well. 
Uh, what do you got next, Scotty? Some of these jumping out to me on the total reception, like I, the one I just mentioned about McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk, uh receptions at is set at 0.5 right now, uh, which you can get at minus 150. Again, not like super value odds, but like the odds that he catches a ball in this game based on what I just talked about with the with the Niners being able to uh, effectively throw the ball to guys out of the backfield, and, and that being the Achilles heel at, at times this year for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I gotta think he's catching one ball, uh, yeah, at least. So, um, because of what he can do out of the backfield, I think he gets lost a lot um, in in uh, in the passing game because like he's such an effective blocker and he's such a good runner down by the goal line that it's just like whoop, there I am, I'm out, and uh, and that's we saw a play like that in the uh, in the NFC Championship game. So, uh, wouldn't be shocked there. All of mine have been Niners bets. Um, I love. Uh, I love some of the the passing ones for both quarterbacks. Um, uh, passing attempts, uh, both of them are up over thirty. Brock at thirty one and a half, Mahomes at thirty six and a half. I can see him doing a lot of dink and dunk to get to like thirty eight to forty two or three uh, uh, passing attempts. Um, you can get both of those. Well, Mahomes over thirty six and a half is a minus one ten. Purdy over 31 and a half passing attempts is at plus 110. Um, I love both of those again because I think this is going to be an offensive, uh, an offensive game where, where especially, you know, in the second half, uh, where we kind of uh, see what what everyone's got. We're going to be able to to fire the ball off a little bit. Uh, I, I I like both of those. Uh, I really do. Uh, Brock over 31 and a half and Mahomes over 36 and a half passing attempts. I like that too. 36 and a half. It seems high, but again, if San Francisco comes out and plays a good ball, like I, I 36 I and mean, 37 passing attempts. The one thing I will say is it feels like the way to move the ball against um, San Francisco is to start it on the ground. So if Kansas city comes out and they're committed to running the football right off the bat, I can see Mahomes finishing around that 30 mark. So um, I think that's more of a gut feeling. If if you think San Francisco is going to really control this game and it's going to get down to the fourth quarter and, and Kansas City needs to move the football and Kansas City's just dropping back, putting the ball in Mahomes' hands as many times as possible, then you like that. If you think that, hey, I think Kansas City can control this game on the ground, keep the ball away from San Francisco's offense, move the ball a little bit, it's going to be a little bit closer of a game, then I would lean towards the under on that. But I think either way, I think that's a good one. Um, all right, my uh, my favorite little goofy prop bet this year, uh, both teams to have a lead in the first half. Yes is plus 140. I mean, the way I see it is like you can win that on the first two drives. You know, San Francisco gets the ball, they move down the field, Kansas City bows up, they hold them to a field goal, Kansas City goes down, scores a touchdown, or vice versa. I don't You're like set. that narrative. All you Start need, over. <laughs> all you need is one team to score a touchdown and one team to kick a field goal on beginning drives, and then you are a live dog because those numbers are not going to line up the rest of the time. You're getting plus one forty odds. You're in the plus territory again. A good one to to parlay into something else. If you feel really good about something else. You combine, say, something that's minus odds with that, then all of a sudden you're getting boosted up to Greg. Way better odds. Uh, I love that. Both teams with the lead in the first half. Yes, plus 140. You can get that on FanDuel. Um, another one for you here, Scotty. You're going to like this one. All right. Purdy plus 11.5 rushing yards 
versus Mahomes, minus 110. So essentially this means that if you compare the rushing total between both quarterbacks by the game's end, Purdy will be within plus 11 and a half of Mahomes rushing yards. And I'll tell you, I, I really do think San Francisco, after what we saw, how, how that ended with Detroit and needing Purdy to do stuff with his legs, I think there's going to be some carryover with that. I think they're going to need Purdy to do some stuff with his legs here. Mahomes is always due for some of those scrambles, but I the way the offensive line's been holding up for Kansas City, I don't think we're going to see Mahomes scrambling a whole lot, and, and there could be a big drive where he scampers off for a big 15-yard run, but all you need is for Purdy to be within 11 and a half yards of him. I think Purdy's going to be doing the same thing, scrambling for big-time yards. I think he breaks at least one like 15 to 20-yard run. I love that as Purdy plus 11 and a half. Uh, and I believe you can also get that just money line if you think Purdy's going to outrush him and you get much better odds on it. But I like Purdy plus 11 and a half rushing yards against Mahomes at minus 110. The nice thing about that bet, too, is it is completely ill dependent of what the outcome of the game itself is going to be. You know, Purdy could outrush Mahomes, that bet can hit, and Kansas City can win the game and you'll still be good. Purdy can outrush Mahomes and Kansas and, and San Francisco can still go out and win, but you're also getting 11 and a half rushing yards on your side. I feel like that's a pretty big gap. And after what we saw with how, how necessary those yards were in that game against Detroit, I feel like we're going to have some scrambles where Spags dials up some blitzes, makes things uncomfortable for Brock. And they're going to tell him, Hey, if it's not there, tuck it and run. If you see eight yards of daylight, go get it. And I think we're going to see that. Now, whether or not that ends up helping or hurting San Francisco overall in the game, I don't know. But I think knowing Spags dialing up these exotic blitzes and coverages and doing things to try to confuse Purdy at the line of scrimmage, that could result in Purdy tucking and scrambling a good amount in this game. So any sort of Purdy rushing line, I really, I'm a big fan of in this game. I think we're going to see a bunch of Purdy scampers. Uh, and, and they might result into sacks, which could which could hurt you, yeah, I understand. But I think because of the way that that game against Detroit ended and how necessary it was to have Purdy use his legs in big moments, I think we're going to see that again in this Super Bowl. I think if you're a Niners fan, you're hoping that the throws are going to be there and that you're not reliant on Purdy scrambling for plays or that he's not, you know, like too comfortable with like, all right, tuck and run, tuck and run all of a sudden because of how well that worked in the NFC championship right. game. But we saw that the biggest difference in that game was the fact that Purdy broke off three 10 yard runs in the fourth quarter that really separated Detroit and San Francisco on a couple of different drives. And I think anything rushing related with Purdy, I'm a fan of in this game because I think either he's going to do it because it makes him feel more comfortable based off what happened last time, or he's going to end up like finding a way to kind of like, use that just like he did in, in Detroit to help that be a thing that helps them win. Either way, Mahomes has not been running the ball a ton. He's going to have his scampers there. I don't think it's going to be a 12-point difference or 12-yard difference between Purdy and Mahomes. So I like Purdy there, plus 11.5 rushing yards versus Mahomes. Do you like uh, that see, one? I like, Does that one make yeah, you I feel do. good? Yeah, it makes me feel good. Uh, but I agree with you. I think it can't be, you know, I like it more if it's, hey, we're making that play to – on, on a critical play, the need to get it first down, uh, kind of like it was uh, with our with our back against the wall in some cases on uh, in the second half there against uh, against Detroit in the NFC Championship game. Not a um, not a like oh the pocket's not moving with me, 
um, and I can't move the pocket, move up in the pocket because of it. Um, now I got to like duck out and scramble that, which is usually Mahomes' method. That is not, that's not going to work for us. Um, so yeah, you're right. I think if it's, if it's the, uh, if it's the progression read, boom, boom, done, nothing there, go. Um, yeah, then, then, uh, I feel like that, that is a, a legit possibility because on the outside, those guys are so physical on, in the secondary. Uh, on the outside for the Chiefs, that uh, you know, even if Ayuk and, and Debo are out there, um, they're they're going to get jammed, um, and it's going to be harder for them. And what they love to do is work back to the middle of the field, um, and that's going to take some more time than uh, than it will uh, against other secondaries that we've played. Yeah, for sure. All right, what do you got next? Uh, I just had it up. Uh, oh, I love this one because of the two kickers. Some of the total successful field goal distances over 120 and a half yards is even. Uh, I love that with Bucker and Jake Moody. These guys have legs. Uh, I, I, I don't have their average kicking distances in front of me, uh, but I'm willing to bet based on the amount of stuff that I've looked at, the Bucker's got to be in, in or close to the top five uh, for, for average length of field goal this year. And we know how big his leg is. And Moody is a rookie. They've asked him to do quite a bit uh, from distance uh, this this season so far. Um, and he's been relatively adept at it. So, uh, you know, if we get four field goals each of, of 30 yards, you're already you're already right there. Um, and I think that the, there's a possibility that it could be more than that, especially with Bucker's leg. Um, you know, if the, if the Chiefs get in a scenario, especially early, where uh, – where they're just like, hey, we need points, um, uh, because we we just need to put points on the board. We don't need to be gambling on going for a fourth down here, uh, and it's a fifty to fifty-five yard try. I guarantee they're going to Bucker right there because he's such a weapon. Um, and I think the same of uh, of Kyle with uh, with with Jake Moody. Uh, they they've asked a rookie to do a lot, like I said. Um, and I don't think that uh, this is a moment where Kyle's going to be like, eh, fourth and three on the we forget it we're near midfield let's uh let's just kick the field goal um yeah so uh over 120 and a half on total uh of the amount of successful field goals i love that's a good one i like that uh and and look super bowls always end up coming down to kicks way more often than you think even last year's super bowl i think there were four four or five field goals in that game like it felt like such a shootout in hindsight but when you actually look back and look at the drives there's way more field goals in that than you think um, so I think that's good. Uh, all right. I have, uh, I got a couple for you here going back to the one. I also had a, another one to go with the Purdy rushing ones, Mahomes and Purdy combined 50 plus rushing yards plus plus one fifty on FanDuel. Love that. Yeah. Love that might be my favorite bet on the board right now. Um, but that's also like one of the boosted ones, which makes you go like, all right, is this a trap or not? I think you just trust that. I think, I think there's, if you're talking to, hey, you need 25 yards from Mahomes, 25 yards from Purdy on the ground, I think both of them hit that point. Um, but in addition to that, Debo rushing yards go to the alternate rushing yards. Debo, 25-plus rushing yards, plus 178. I think now that he's gotten healthier, he was questionable going into that conference championship game, and yet they still try to hand the ball off to him. Uh, Kansas City's rush defense, as we've seen, uh, and statistically is 28th in DVOA. This season, they have not been great against the ground. That's what everyone was screaming about for what Baltimore should be doing. They should be running the ball. They didn't commit to it. 
I absolutely see it, it's, it can take one play of Debo just breaking off a big one for 30 yards and boom, you're good. You get plus 178 for uh, Debo, 25 plus rushing. Uh, love that bet. Um, so hop on that one while you can. And then one yeah. of my favorite. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say related to that, even I think, you know, Debo is an obvious target to to get some rushing yards uh, yeah. or rushing attempts rather. But like. I would even if, and this is some real degenerate crap. You got to be deep in the Niners to know this, but sixth round draft pick Ronnie Bell uh, might be a guy who just like, yeah, you you look like you're running Debo off of a, a weird sweep, and the jet action comes across. You're not even looking at him, and there you go. Our punt returners all of a sudden getting the ball on a jet sweep on a rushing attempt, and I would guarantee it's probably less than one uh, on the on the books right now. So like, I mean, well, you're, and so you're that, just that actually around sets that. me up here for a good one, which is. Every single year, there's at least one touchdown by someone you don't expect there to be a touchdown from. Who is your pick? Is Ronnie Bell the pick for you? No, I'd go uh, on the Niners. Actually, I don't see he's not on the board right now. Interesting. I, I on the Niners, I'd go Jawan Jennings. Uh, just because, like, if we're tight in the red zone, uh, we know how much those guys on the outside bow up for the for the Chiefs. Jawan Jennings is just slight, straight bigger than any guy in that secondary. And, yeah. and Purdy can throw the ball up and go get him. Plus 650. Brock Purdy, anytime touchdown scorer, plus 850. A scramble that he sneaks into the end zone around the goal line. Ray Ray McLeod for San Francisco, plus 2100. Yeah, that'd be a good if one. Want, if you want to get really outside, Elijah Mitchell, something happens with Christian McCaffrey, gets a little banged up. Or it's maybe. a third down play. And, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, plus 1100. Um, on the Kansas City side, a couple names jump out to me. Um, Justin Watson, the backup tight end, plus 650. Equal there with Juwan Jennings. Yeah, get Arizona. Um, Sky Moore, plus 950. Yeah, he's a, like, the other tight end, Hunter Gray. Gets, uh, well, so uh, Justin Watson is like a hybrid tight end wide receiver. Mm. Um, he's labeled as different things. But uh, Blake Bell. The other one, Noah Gray and Blake Bell. Noah Gray plus 950 is an option. Use check plus 1000. McCall Hardman plus 1500. Uh, take a look at those for any time touch on score. You know, you want to throw an extra shekel in there. Hey, put five, you know, two or three bucks down. You'll, you'll end up making yourself back a good, you know, 40, 40, 30 to 40 bucks, give or take, uh, depending on what you're betting on there. Um, I, I do like the call there with. Uh, Juwan Jennings, Jarek McKinnon is also the name. He's only plus 550, but he's in his career in Kansas City. He's just had a knack for scoring touchdowns in big games. If you're getting him at plus 550, I uh, I like that one. Um, here's one that hit last year that we talked about on the podcast the octopus. The octopus at plus 980. Jalen Hurts hit it last year with the uh, QB scramble for a touchdown, followed up by the tush push, or maybe it was a scramble to get in for the two-point conversion. Either way, Jalen Hurts hit the octopus last year on the in the fourth quarter to get them to uh, that tie ball game before the Chiefs went down and ended the game. Um, plus 980, I mean, with Kelsey, it's tough for San Francisco, you know, because there's so many weapons. But I could totally see, hey, Kelsey, and then boom, right back to Kelsey again. For those who don't know, Octopus is a touchdown. You you score the touchdown, and then you also score the two-point conversion. So let's say, hypothetically, Chiefs are on the 10-yard line. They throw a pass to Kelsey. He scores a touchdown. They line up to go for two. 
and then they hit Travis Kelsey for the two-point conversion, that would be an octopus. He scored the touchdown and the two-point conversion. Uh, I think either one of those. And, you know, again, it's one of those, hey, you got a couple extra shekels, you're not sure what to put on, put it on something fun, you know? Because every touchdown that gets scored, you know, you're hoping for the two-point conversion. You're hoping they're going to go out and do that. And as we've seen in the NFL this year, that you know, there's multiple two-point conversions in every single game, more or less. Uh, and if this game's as close as people think it's going to be, then I think that's a, a very good potential outcome. Uh, I have a fun one here, Scotty. I want to add on on top of that. Debo Samuel, the fastest recorded player, according to Next Gen Stats. This is on FanDuel. He is the favorite at plus 590. So essentially... That's interesting. What, what Pacheco's got to be up there. Uh, I got to pull it up again because I haven't been able to... I got to... Is it under specials? I had it up on my browser and then my browser's gone. So I'm 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 on the app looking for this. I didn't I'm not able to save it, which is stupid. Um, but it was one of those random ones. But yeah, it was according to next gen stats, who is going to be the fastest player on the field? And uh I think that's such a fun bet. Um so yeah, plus five ninety. Does I have that right? Yeah, plus 590 for Debo Samuel. I'm looking under the specials. I feel like that needs to be... Oh, there it is. Yeah, fastest offensive ball carrier. Uh, the favorite for uh, Kansas City is Pacheco at, at plus 760. The favorite for... And this is for the whole game, by the way. This is for both teams. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, plus 1,200. So Debo is the overall favorite at plus 590. You have McCaffrey at plus 790. Ayuk plus 730. Like if Ayuk gets one deep, you know, connects on a deep shot, could he get there? Um, MVS, we know he's a burner, plus 11, uh, 1120 for MVS. Uh, so I, I, I like some of these though. It's a That's a fun bet. I'm 100% going to sprinkle something with those bets in there because I think that's just such a fun yeah. idea because it's not just like, oh, who's the fastest player? It's like, Who's the one catching the who's catching the ball and moving on ahead of time? So, you know, what I mean, like, I, I think it's such a fun, fun because it adds all the context between like, all right, well, MVS, there's a good chance MVS gets hit on a deep ball where he's flying down the field, you know, or it could be someone like Ray Ray McLeod, who's back returning for San Francisco, who breaks off a long return. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, Ray Ray McLeod reached, you know, 20 miles an hour on this return. There's some fun ones in that. I I, I like yeah. that. That's a that's a cool partnership deal between Next Gen Stats and FanDuel, um, which of course is just another way to get us all to spend more money and and <laughs> gamble more money. But it's still a fun one. I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Idiots, bread and circuses. <laughs> Let's just make these people gamble everything that they've ever owned. Um, I like that too. The fast. I mean, yeah, it could it could literally be anyone. It could be. Uh, it could be Devo breaking off a run uh, that that he just gets untouched and hits a second level. It could be McCaffrey uh, at, at that rate. Uh, I mean, he's not like the absolute fastest burner in the league, but like could be him. Could be Pacheco. Could be Rasheed Rice on like an open slant. Yeah, and he's just uh, and he's just darting down the field. I, I wouldn't be. If you don't think I'm betting that, then you're just then you're wrong. Yeah, 
I'm a hundred percent putting multiple bets in that <laughs> on. That's such a fun yeah, bet. You kidding like me? That. Like imagine like you have that bet. It's the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden Pacheco breaks off on a long run, and he's just running angry, extra adrenaline, sees the light of day to pick up a first down or to get into the end zone. Like you'll be like rooting, and then you won't know. That's the best thing. Is this, that's not like a statistic in the actual like record books. It's like you have to yeah. wait for next gen stats to come out and say that. Like. I just want to I want to see how that gets monitored throughout the game. I think it's such a fun bet. Yeah. I like that. I, the other category I like, um I don't necessarily have a lean on it, but um I I've, I've seen out there most passing yards and most receiving yards combo. Mm. Um and you can combo any two players. It doesn't have to be uh Brock and and IU oh, or any fun. guys on the same team. You could do Brock and Travis Kelsey, uh Brock and Rasheed Rice or Mahomes and and Ayuk. Um yeah, a lot of these are, are are plus odds. You can get um Mahomes and Kelsey are, are uh the favorites at plus three twenty-five in that combo, for example. Um Brock and uh and and Ayuk for reference are at um plus five fifty. Um but then some of these I really Brock and George Kittle are at plus eight fifty. Uh uh Brock Purdy and Travis Kelsey is at plus nine hundred. That seems like it could hit. Um in this combo, those are those are kind of fun, uh, kind of fun to look at as well because all of them are in plus odds and, and really like if you hit on the the right combo, um, uh, of course that uh, that is super helpful. Um, but yeah, that that seems fun too. I like it. All right, let's uh, let's do it. Let's get into the goofball ones. Yes, I love this uh, national anthem. Uh, according to covers dot com. You can get the national anthem over under at uh, for the most part, there is one site. It's called cool bet. It's a Canadian betting site that is at 86 and a half seconds for the national anthem over everyone else. It opened at 84 and a half fan duel draft Kings have it settled at 90 and a half seconds over versus under Reba McIntyre doing it here. The question is, we know she's a good Southern girl. Last year, I think the over hit with Chris Stapleton. Mm-hmm. Does Reba go quick, short to the point, or are we getting a drawn out, dramatic Reba McIntyre, you know, celebration here? Because I, I have a feeling that the over is in play, but right now the over is plus one hundred two as the underdog. I kind of love the over. I love yeah. Reba. A lot of love for her. No shade, but I think she's gonna milk that moment a little bit. But I also know when you get to that age, your voice, you can't hold those notes out the same way you used to. So a more rushed, concise version of it, I could also see, be, you know, Stapleton has the, has unbelievable pipes. You know, he can rip out notes and hold long things and add these runs and do a bunch of things. I don't think Reba's got that juice. So does she go for the more dramatic version of the national anthem? Or are we going to say, hey, I think she's going to stick right there at the under right now, minus 128 to go under 90 and a half seconds. I like the under. I just, you know, it seems to me like, because um, <clears throat> for a while we didn't know who it was, and then uh, we found out it was Reba. Um, but all of her songs, even the the long storytelling ones, are just like hit, hit, hit. It's yeah. not like anything's like prolonged. Yeah, it's um, not Whitney Houston. Not a, We're not talking about powerhouse voice. Here. Yeah, not a, not a ton of huge runs. She has a very powerful voice, but like there's not a ton of huge runs or sustains. It's like, I'm going to tell this story very beautifully. 
um, with my voice, and that's that and done. And I think this is going to be a lot of the same, so I'm going to take the under. I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to take the over. Every year at the National Anthem, I want to take the over. The over is way more fun to bet there. You're like, hold out that note. Hold out that fucking note. Come on. Keep it going. And you're keep into it, it from and the National Anthem. You're like, everybody who's gambling is like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the under there at 90 and a half seconds as well. Um, Where's there's the prop bets? Uh, Halftime props. We have Usher as the halftime performer. I did say this. Look, I there there are songs of Usher's that are his that are not him featuring that I know. I know plenty of. Like the first like four favorites to all be the first song are all songs that I know very well. I will say this, my overall like Usher, you know, catalog here of songs that I know, it's not huge. It's not huge. I'm excited. Hell of a performer. I think it's going to be great. This guy's multi-talented actor, songwriter, musician, Broadway star. He was in Chicago for a while. Um, Yeah, is a minus 100,000 favorite. Yeah. To be the uh, the opening song that tells me that Vegas might know something, Scotty. Minus um, yeah. one hundred thousand. Can't not open with that. I mean, what? Come DJ on. got us falling in love again would be kind of fire. That would be good too. But yeah, it's going to get the people going. Yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's. I think it's. He's up. A yeah. town down. Uh, I look if you want to go with something else, maybe DJ got us falling in love again. I could see that because I feel like sometimes they kind of like switch off, you know, a little bit, you know, like they're like, oh, everyone's expecting this to be the first song, and then we're gonna slide out to the side. Uh, but yeah, that does seem to be the favorite one. Uh, how many songs will be played during the halftime uh show? Eight and a half, over under eight and a half. Now it's important to remember that we're not talking about full songs here. During a four, it's at 14 minutes is like the time that they get. I think it's like 13, 14 minutes. Um, it's a short show, but recently with the guest appearances and stuff, that number has gotten higher. Eight and a half over under both minus 125 on uh FanDuel. Which way you lean in there? Do you like the over, the under, and how many songs to be played during the halftime show? So like the under. I do. I, I just uh, like I know there's speculation about people who could come uh, and, and be a part of it, but I think all of those are going to be all part of the what would have been the repertoire anyway, uh, uh, the set list for for the halftime. Um, I I just I don't think there's a whole lot of like fanfare where we need to do these huge stage transitions and like oh all of a sudden there's Alicia yeah, Keys like, and they're I singing like, my boo like I feel you like know they've gotten away from the like big stage transitions and more like. How do we make a stage that we can shoot it so it goes from one song to the next without changing a bunch of the stage? Yeah. You yeah. know? So I'm I'm I I like the over in this too. I think they're gonna hit more. I think we're gonna get a couple of guest appearances. Um and yeah, according uh, well, let's move on now to the guests. Who who is your favorite right now? We'll we'll read off some of the names. Alicia Keys, minus 550 to be a fa- to be a guest here. Post Malone, minus 340. Ludacris minus 280, Lil John minus 172, Justin Bieber minus 114, Pitbull plus 135, Will I Am, Nicki Minaj, Taylor Swift. I mean, come on. 
yeah, that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's doing? with her stuff. That's just yeah. Even if she's there, she's there for the game because her yeah. Her I mean, she's got a show in like Australia, Australia, Japan, or something going on. Like yeah, she's Japan. Got, she's yeah, got, yeah. Uh, Lil Wayne plus five fifty. Kind of, kind of flirt with that a little bit. David Guetta, uh, Marshmallow, Twenty One Savage, Fifty Cent, DJ Khaled. Look, DJ Khaled popping up out of nowhere to be at the halftime show would not shock me at all. Plus eight eighty. It's not That'd likely. Uh, I like this one too. Sean Diddy, huh? Sean Puff Daddy. You Puff might know Daddy. Some others Diddy? may know P Diddy. Puff <laughs> Daddy goes by many names. Sean Combs. Uh, plus eleven hundred, and on a different site he's listed at plus four hundred. I don't know. I kind of like. I kind of like Diddy. I kind of like Diddy being being. I think Diddy's gonna be my surprise pick. I think Alicia Keys is the lock, uh, and maybe sprinkle a little bit on uh, on Justin Bieber. You know, the two of them go yeah, they're way boys back for some reason. Yeah, well, because Justin Bieber was discovered by Usher. Oh, there is no Justin. Ellen? There is <laughs> there is no Justin Bieber without Usher. I like that. Ellen like might have been first, actually, I, and then Usher saw that. But but either way, there is no Justin Bieber without Usher. I like that at minus 114. Those would be my three. I think Alicia Keys is the heavy favorite to land on. If you're looking at even money, Justin Bieber is a good call. He was just at the uh, the NHL All-Star game this week. Um, but, hey, if you want to go for the the home run swing, a little bit, little, put a little bit on Diddy. If you want to get real crazy, Madonna plus 4,900. Ah, I don't hate that. Yeah. Don't hate that. Madonna and Usher, the Super Bowl performance that everybody wanted. Oh, uh, remember the last time she was at the Super Bowl? <laughs> when was the last time she was at the Super oh, Bowl? Oh, like in 2003 or four. Oh, and yeah, she did the show. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then last, well, not we'll go second to last here. Uh, cross sport pro props. Cross, cross sport. Anything stick out to you here? Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, it was fun last year because we had the Winter Olympics that was that they did some of the cross sports stuff on, uh, but yeah. no, not this year, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Uh, last in 2022, this is from covers.com 2022 betters could bet on Winter Olympics Premier League NASCAR. Uh, there's probably an NBA game going on, in fact, yeah, here you go. The, the only one this is according to Caesar Sportsbook. LeBron James over 29 and a half points and Mahomes over 249 and a half rushing yards. I think that meant to be, was meant to be receiving yards uh, plus 500. I actually don't hate it. If that, if that is supposed to be receiving yards, cause I don't think Mahomes is rushing for 250 yards. If it is, it'll be uh, uh, the most incredible Super Bowl performance of all time. Wow. And Scotty will probably not be with us on uh, Monday's pot after the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, that, that yeah. would be the case. Also, I think uh, LeBron's, LeBron's going to be pissed off that he has to play and not go to the Super Bowl. That's like a, an hour flight away from him in L.A. So uh, he's going to be like, man, screw this. Yeah, I think you're right. Get me um, out of here as fast that, as I can. <laughs> and that brings us to our final, final one of all of our picks here. And by the way, we want to we didn't get Vito in on this. Vito couldn't make us meet with us tonight. He couldn't be on. So Friday, when we record on Thursday, we'll we'll revisit some of these to remind you guys, see if the lines have changed at all. And uh, we need Vito's our you know resident degenerate on the pod, so we need we need Vito on here to give his picks. So we're gonna get those from Vito, so don't worry. Just we're gonna touch back on some of these. 
<laughs> it just it doesn't. How can we talk about gambling without veto? It makes it feels so wrong. Um, Gatorade color. Uh, right now the heavy favorites are purple and blue. Purple at plus two twenty five, blue at plus two seventy five. And then they have that yellow-green-lime combo at plus 450. I'm always – that's kind of where I always lean. All right, last year it was orange Gatorade for the Chiefs. Orange is plus 500, uh, depending on where you get it. The clear, plus 1,000 for the clear, maybe? I don't know. I mean, you I'd do know that maybe. because the Niners are winning, and I'm pretty sure that they just have the water on the side. Could be – uh, I'm a, I'm always going to be partial to the yellow green lime. Also feel like we haven't had like a yellow, like a green lime. You know, we haven't had that one in a while. So I, I like that one there. Where are you leaning? You're going to go clear. I'm going clear. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of like the clear bet too. Kind of like it. You can get that in a few different places. So, uh, do your research, go into the books, take some of the ones that we said, again, we're going to hit some more of these on Friday's pod and we're going to do our full preview. All right. So Friday's pod, we're going to load up everything wall-to-wall Super Bowl coverage. We're going to do all of our research. We've got everything cleaned up. I'm going to say right now, my lean, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. But I really kind of want to. (laughs) But as I stand right now, I have not been fully convinced to not bet against Patrick Mahomes. So I'm leaning Mahomes in the Chiefs, plus one and a half, plus two and a half, depending on where you get it. I know where you're leaning, Scotty, as you should. You're rolling ride or die with your boys, but we'll get Vito's takes on it on Friday's pod. We'll get more prop bets. We'll do wall-to-wall preview. We're going to go side of the ball, side of the ball, Chiefs offense, Niners defense, Niners offense, Chiefs defense. We're going to hit everything. We're going to get you ready for Super Bowl 58, Niners Chiefs on Friday's pod. So stay tuned for that. Excited for more fun content to come, followed by reaction pod. And, Scotty, the one unfortunate thing for you, and I have to mention this, I was a fucking trooper last year. I was. I don't I don't always do this. I, I bore it in the teeth. I rewatched the game even for the podcast. I put myself through that pain, through that misery. Well, that's just masochism. Yeah, it was. That's what that is. Welcome to being a Philly sports fan, as we touched on earlier <laughs> on the podcast. I'm not asking you. If, if things go south, I'm not going to ask you to rewatch the game, but I need you to put your best foot forward. We the people are gonna want a sad reaction from you, so you're gonna have to deliver that and you'll have ample time. But it God forbid well, they're not gonna get it. God forbid if that were to happen, uh yeah, I'm gonna need you to do it. And if they win, I know you're gonna rewatch the game about four times before we record. In uh, fact, you'll, four. you're gonna low. be hammered <laughs> on the podcast if they win. Um, as you should be. I I, I took just, the day off. To be, <laughs> did you? I took the day off. Yeah, I did. Good because man. either way, man. I, I'm not gonna be functioning yeah. emotionally or, i have a feeling uh, <laughs> i have a feeling the monday after when we record it's going to be a lot of me and Vito, um with the highlight being whether you're happy or sad and i'll either be <laughs> drinking whiskey or champagne bud <laughs> well for your sake i hope it's champagne all right and either uh, way we're drinking <laughs> win lose we booze that's a that's an old college throwback for the the people out there all right that's all we got in the pod we will have more prop bets on Friday. We will have more gambling inside on Friday. We will have veto on Friday. And we're going to have everything. So get ready. Listen to your podcast. Watch your TV shows. I know we got a lot of Niners fans who listen to this podcast. And look, you might hate me because I'm the guy that's 
anti quote unquote Brock Purdy, anti San Francisco. I'm not. Just call it like I see it. Um, but listen in, because either you know we're going to be right, we're going to be wrong. You're going to be celebrating, you're going to be sad. But we got a great like week of content coming up here between the actual preview of the pod, the recap. Those are always our biggest and favorite episodes every year. So stay tuned with us. Listen to us. We will be back later on. Get it all over yourself. It's going to be great. Super Bowl 58 coming up in just a few days. I'm excited. Let's go. Thank you for listening. We love you. We'll be back on Friday. Until then, take it easy, everybody.